0: Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoko Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoko smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com Dairy <speaking in the> Lane <language>
1: Dental Nidiwasoda Senegoaga. Do you have peace? The great peace, the peace of the original people. This means the it goes back to the the tree of peace and the I'm Haudenosaunee and the Iroquois Confederacy. So Senegoaga the great inner peace. Welcome to On Mohawk Time and today's podcast. I'm Joyce Jonathan Crone and thank you for listening in once again. We have traversed through some very, very heavy, mucky subjects that are not fun or easy at all to have conversations about. The subject matter has been very necessary to talk about and but not easy not easy subjects whatsoever so I do hope you've been able to uh, listen in to each prop uh, podcast and if you have not been able to you can always go to the Hunter's Bay Radio SoundCloud and listen to previous shows and get updated on what we've been discussing so thank you for tuning in. It does seem like there's never enough time to be able to share facts, thoughts and uh conversation. Uh you may wonder uh why why do we have to talk about these things, listen to these things. Um but it's essential. It's essential in the which I've talked about before in the uncolonization um, of all of us settlers and First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people. Well, let's take a look at a few things. Number one, the issues of the past are not just the issues of the past. They continue to happen in the present. And their residual effects are being, um, we are feeling those residual effects of what has happened, not just Indigenous people, but everyone. That's why uncolonization is um, important for everyone to take a deep look at and to go to those uncomfortable places. So let's take a look. I'll give you a couple of examples of issues that continue to happen today because of what's happened in the past. Um, Number one, uh, the boil water advisories on many First Nations uh, across this country. And it just isn't Northern First Nations or isolated First Nations. It is also um, First Nations uh, throughout Canada. I know that my parents were under a a boil water advisory, which was a number of years ago. um, And that was in Southern Ontario. Um, I have heard and seen the result of boil water advisories um, for Indigenous and non-Indigenous folks who have been educators. Um, One principal, a non-Indigenous man, lost his wife to cancer. And also seeing... uh, children being uh, having rashes and having to go to school in uh, portables that have mold in them and uh, no running water, no clean water to drink or for toileting or for cleaning yourself. Another um, example would be the health and wellness of Indigenous people, First Nations, Métis and and Inuit. Uh, The Mental health issues, the health and wellness issues, um, issues that uh, have to do with what we've talked about before, with the missing and murdered Indigenous women, and the disproportionate number of Indigenous women being tra- uh, human traffic in human trafficking, and the disproportionate uh, numbers of uh, Indigenous um, with the incarceration rates. Uh, the suicide rates of uh, Indigenous. So as mentioned, the Canadian uh, stats on suicide rates are much higher for um, Indigenous First Nations, Métis, Inuit in uh, Canada than the current non-Indigenous uh, stats on suicide. I recently attended in May a um at Georgian college, their missing um murdered and indigenous women and girls and two-spirited um event there that they had. And I met uh, a mother there. She was actually one of the speakers um who works and lives on a First Nations in the Muskoka area. And she it brought to life the reality of that Missing and murdered women are not just in the past and all of these traumas and um, things that have happened are still currently affecting people. So she was a mother who lost, who has lost her daughter and uh, her daughter was murdered. And she said at the event this year that in 10 years, she doesn't want to be coming back to the same event, saying the same things over and over again, that she's hoping that there will be some change and part of that change is what we're going to talk about today is the trauma and if you have faced trauma and have gotten through it what does that mean what does it mean to look trauma in the eye and um heal from that so and how does that process work So we are, we're all creatures of habit. We don't want to look at our pain. We don't want to face it. We want to basically for forget about it and tuck it away in, in our mind, in our system so that we don't have to deal with it. But uh, that's really not the path of healing and it's not, um, the way to, uh, the future for our children, for ourselves to, to uncolonize, to create change, to be change makers. So we can't just sit with our pain and live with it for the rest of our lives and not think about it. Because that truly isn't healing. So trauma is part of the, the medicine wheel in that it is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It affects all of those areas, and I know I've talked before about that is how we are created as human beings, that we are composed of those four areas, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and it affects all of those areas of self. And trauma is very complex, and so are, so is who we are as, as people. So... Understanding trauma is something that I'm learning about. I'm learning about what's called a trauma informed education. And what is that? It is knowing the experience of trauma and, and how it has affected you, your family, your community. We know that trauma can be uh, a death in the family, facing a serious illness like cancer, um, Fighting in a war, um, PTSD, a relationship breakup, um, a loss. So trauma takes many forms and has, has many faces and it, uh, is ongoing in nature and causes havoc in our lives in one form or another. In one of those areas or more, um, that I mentioned. And so I think we, we either suppress it. Or we look at it and we need to look at it. And if we suppress it, then we're walking a path of of self destruction. So to heal, we must look at it and we must be able to get help. And we know that uh, research shows that trauma invades the cells of our bodies and remains clogged there or stuck um, somehow, whether it's emotional trauma, uh, whether it's uh, physical trauma. So how do we heal from it? Healing can be called collective, a collective wisdom journey. And trauma can be historic trauma or any of the other forms that I, I mentioned. And um, historic trauma is one that I want to mention and talk about. And that's what First Nations, Métis and Inuit are dealing with today. It's called historic trauma. And being trauma informed, whether it's you as an individual, whether it's in your business or whatever field you work in, or just to be informed, just to understand from our point of view, from a First Nations, Métis, Inuit point of view, what is it that, how can we um, be informed about trauma and what has happened historically and and how does that intersect into who we are today and how can we, um, look at the layers of that. So, um, yeah, I have heard in the past people say and say to me directly, well, just get over it, get over the issues that have happened in the past, you know, the, the indigenous people, the first nations people just, just get over it. And I've heard that over and over again. And really, to be honest, that's not the solution and that's not the the attitude for healing. And that really is part of the problem. So settler and indigenous must be willing to face trauma, whatever trauma we have gone through in our lives, and to to look at it and to peel back those layers and restore what I mentioned at the beginning. We must restore the skanangoaga, the peace within, the peace of mind, body emotions, and spirit. So it's time for a quick break, and you are listening to On Mohawk Time on Hunters Bay Radio, 88.7.
0: I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. about the, like a heavy shadow or a ghost that just follows you. Yeah, it sticks on you like a wood dick in a bush. I know that feeling. It's like a, trying to run from a gunshot near a deer and white till deer. And you can't look back. You're back.
1: Welcome back. Well, to finish off our show today, we're going to take a look at a few myths about Indigenous people. And just a reminder, we used to be called Indians. Then they changed our, our title to Aboriginal. Well, actually, before Indians, we were called savages. So let's take it right back to the beginning. Um, Indians, Aboriginals, First Nations, And now we're called Indigenous people. So, myths about Indigenous people. So what do I mean by a myth? I think we've all read myths in school or we know of stories that are possible myths. So a myth is something that is untrue. Something that has been said or learned. It's a misconception and a stereotype. It can be uh, remarks that are bias and um, untruths. So I did not make these myths up, but I have heard all of them said, and I have had all of them said directly to me. So I'll share some. um, Myth number one, we caused our own issues. The past and the present day issues. Well, that's definitely a myth that, um, is not true. Um, I'll give you a really good example. When I was doing some research, I was doing some health research and found out that until 1945 in first nations did not have diabetes. It was not part of our system, part of our, um, illnesses um or challenges and so um that originated because the europeans brought over different meats they brought over different animals and so our diets had to change from being hunters and gatherers and again you might say well that what does that have to do with present day it has a lot to do with present day that's just one one really good example so and that's the example of health issues i could use again the boil water issues um so Um, let's take a look at another myth that parents wanted their children and the children wanted to attend the residential schools. I've may have talked about this one before, but it, again, it's not true. And I've had people ask me and say that the parents wanted their kids to go there. Well, um, for sure. We know that that's not true. We know that uh, the RCMP came into homes. Children were picked up on the streets, uh, taken without parental consent or community consent. Um, so that one is not true. Um, I'll do a couple of more. Uh, First Nations, here's a myth. First Nations with status don't have to pay taxes. So what does that mean? We know stat, their status and non-status. Status means, as I do, I have a status card. It doesn't mean I get things free. It it So let's take a look at that myth. First Nations with status don't have to pay taxes. So I wanted to qualify first who, um, what does status mean? So that means that we are tracked by the government and under the, still under the Indian Act. So under the Indian Act section 87 and 90, the income earned by registered First Nations working on uh, First Nations uh, reserve are exempt from income tax. Off reserve or urban indigenous which we are 70% of us, uh, we pay income tax and those with have, that have status who live on a First Nations community do not pay federal or provincial uh, taxes. So provincial, such as the such as in Ontario have implemented exemptions from paying the 8% component of the HST on certain qualifying items. So, for example, if I buy a car, I have to pay tax. If I go to the grocery store, I'm paying the same taxes. So, that is definitely a myth. Another myth, post-secondary education is free. And here's the truth. That each band um, in the country and provinces get uh, each band gets a certain amount of funding by band I mean community First Nations community gets a certain amount of funding each year for post-secondary education now when I went to university which was over 30 years ago I um, was able to get my education paid for and my books paid for now, that was 30 years ago. So now, because of the number, which is a great thing, the number of aspiring students, um, First Nations, uh, wanting a post secondary career, that no, um, now funding is allocated depending on, um, and a student must reapply every year. So it's dependent on the student's grade and the courses that will be taken. So, uh post-secondary education is not free. And uh, today, uh, full funding is not, as I mentioned, always available due to the number of students applying. And one final myth to end off today is the indigenous people receive free housing. The fact is, under the Indian Act and the federal government, the federal government provides some subsidies to bands or First Nations communities. Um, and it is provided in a manner similar to all Canadians. So that definitely is a myth. And I have been in uh, fly-in First Nations communities and um, in Nunavut. And the housing conditions, uh, because of, some of it is because we keep our grandma and grandpas with us. There are not nursing homes on fly-in um, communities. We keep our families together, our aunties and grandmas and grandpas. And so there is not free housing just to help you understand a few of those myths. So I want to just thank you for tuning in today and, uh, yahweh.